Daddy Squared. Gay Dads Save the World. A daily dose of gay dads on the front lines of the global pandemic. With Alex McGann and Jan Dick. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Daddy Squared, the Gay Dads podcast. Gay Dads Save the World. What day are we on? Day 22. Yes. I want to talk about something that's really um, close to us. Okay. Is that uh, some of the people, and I hear some people who are gay dads who are married, one of the dads is working and the other takes care of the kids. That um, we've had a, guy, quite a few of our interviews. Yes, that are like they, that. some of them. I'm not. I'm not saying it happens in everybody's houses, but some of the the ones who are taking care of the kids accuse the uh, the dads who are working that they do nothing. Wait, before you continue, let me get our couples therapist Mark on the line to join us because I think we may need that for this part of the conversation. Please continue. I know what they're saying that, and I, I sometimes I feel like that. I feel that you do nothing because you work more than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you work more hours than me, and your mm-hmm. job is more stable while I'm freelancing. So I feel that it's just taking care of the kids. It's such a hard work, and especially, I, I mean, it really depends on which age are the kids, but uh, assuming like toddlers and kids who are, you know, you still have to watch over them every every second to make sure that they're not trying to kill themselves or, you know, break something or whatever because they have no sense of anything basically. So, um, so I feel that. Uh, but on the other on the other hand, on the other hand, I feel that yes, doing the work. I'll admit it here in front of everybody. Uh, working is working. Um, and I, I totally understand. It's just totally different than having kids. I assume that this the saying you do nothing, it means that in the actual activity of the kids. Okay. Right? I, I need to say, I need to say something here. Um, first of all, that's very kind of you to say and thoughtful, but it's, well, I was going to say it's wrong. It's not wrong. Um, because Saying that working is doing nothing is, of course, not true. But but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to say something that I believe applies to the vast majority of people. Watching, taking care of your kids for an extended period of time is almost infinitely more difficult than doing your work. Now, it doesn't mean... Maybe difficult is the wrong word. Exasperating, perhaps, is the right word. So, look, if I work, you know, uh, an eight-hour day or a 10-hour day, forget the pandemic, uh, you know, wh- wh- before the pandemic, going to the office, working for 10 hours, doing crazy, lots of meetings, lots of blah, blah, blah. Like, I I could never compare that to um taking care of my kids for the same amount of time because taking care of my kids would be far more difficult than that. The thing is just that in in uh, any kind of family, it's necessary for at least one family member to be working uh, or else you got trouble. Um, and, you know, I think as long as we can all recognize that everybody is contributing and respect that fact, it's it's all good. It's it's. It's fine. Well, my hours is uh, increased a little bit, and as a result of that, I feel that we neglect the kids. But um, it's hard. It's hard. It's it's not easy to to maintain both the kids twenty four seven, and then keep your work schedule and everything as usual. It's yeah. impossible. You can't be all of 
all of that at once. Right here on the podcast, I want to mention something to my husband that I have not discussed with him yet, which is as they start to relax some of the rules, but before they open school, I think we should talk to our former nanny and see if she wants to come and do a little bit of time with us. She may not have a job right now, and I think that it would be great. What do you say? Amazing. Amazing yeah? Idea. Oh, my God. See, from now on, I'm going to introduce all ideas to my husband on the podcast where he can't say, you're stupid, go away. Today, we're calling Toronto, Canada. What kind of profession is the person that we're going to talk to? <laughs> you know I'm going to get What kind of profession is it? Guys, I'm sorry. I'm a foreigner. I have an Israeli accent. Come on, what is it? What is it? It's hard for me to say <laughs> professionals that are, you know, long words. So his, his name is Todd. Okay, Todd and, Short. Go ahead. And, um, okay. Uh, and he's an anesthesiologist. Anesthesiologist. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually good. You got it on the third one. Uh, Todd, we, we have great respect for your profession. We just have trouble pronouncing it. Not we, just me. Um, and, um, and, and I think that Todd, Todd, I think, lives apart from his family. Um, and that's really difficult. Yeah. So um, we're sitting here complaining about doing the work and the kids. And there are people who are away from their families. And that should not be taken lightly, Alex. For sure. Completely. Let's talk to Todd. Todd, thank you so much for taking our uh, our call. Um, what we'd love to do is ask you to tell us a little bit about what you do for a living and how it's changed during this pandemic. All right. So I am an anesthesiologist. Basically, what I do is I give anesthetics to patients undergoing some elective and emergency surgeries. I also provide uh, uh, epidural service for patients in labor. Wow. And then we also take care of the patients in on the, the pain service. So these are inpatients who had surgery, so we take care and manage their pain. And so obviously, I got to believe there have been some pretty significant changes in who you're treating yes. and how you're treating yeah. them. Yeah. So essentially what's happened is about six weeks ago, uh, we started slowing down considerably from, we usually have about 18, 19 rooms running, and it went down to two. Wow. Uh, but it wow. was in transitions. So now we're down to two, and we're now just starting to talk about ramping up again. But for the last six weeks, it's been severely restricted. So there's a lot of anesthesiologists who've just basically been home. Uh -huh. However, uh, we are working approximately two to three times a week, and unfortunately, that just basically puts us at risk. Right. So that's why at home, what uh, we had elected to do was for my husband and our two kids, as well as uh, our two dogs, have all gone to my sister-in-law's cottage, which is about two hours away. So how, now, is it, how has it been? Yeah, you, you, you come home from work and you're on your own. Um, yeah. T tell us a little bit. Well, how old are your kids, by the way? So I've got a 12-year-old son yeah. and a 10-year-old daughter. Okay. So both of them are, you know, we're fortunate. They're, they're both uh, able to continue school uh, through Zoom. So right. that's been very good. It's been a godsend, actually. So they're kept busy. Right. Which is good. Um, and uh, and you, I mean, are you Can kept busy? Can you go busy? like uh, on vacation, like weekends or something? 
to say that? No, no. I basically I stay home because it's basically a lockdown. But I have been running an awful lot, mm-hmm. so I've been just pay, basically putting some little uh, goals for myself. So in the month of April, I told myself I was going to do a half marathon every month, uh, sorry, every weekend, and I did. Wow. wow. Um, which, uh, yeah, I was actually kind of surprised I was able to do it. Uh, I've also been doing a lot of biking. I've been cooking, uh, started learning how to play piano through that Simply Piano app, which is great, by the way. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, basically, I organized almost every inch of my house. When we talked earlier, you told me that you were also practice, you were practicing while the SARS uh, pandemic was going on. So do you see any resemblance between the two? So at the very beginning, I think that's where my mindset was. But SARS was much, much worse. Because if you had SARS, it was almost, you know, the, the fatality rate was quite a bit higher. And even patients who survived SARS... were often left with you know disabilities uh, in terms of uh, either their breathing or even their minds mm. um, so with covid uh, if you're unlucky to be one of those unfortunate ones who are intubated and ventilated for weeks uh, obviously afterwards it's going to be like months and months if not years of rehab just to get back to your normal to your previous yeah. Uh, level um, however it seems like a lot of patients have been getting you know mild to moderate symptoms and mm-hmm. oftentimes they don't even need to be admitted to hospital uh, but with SARS it was you know basically if you had SARS you you basically were admitted and you were usually quite sick I remember intubating somebody with SARS uh, whose brother and mother had passed away and it was quite you Oh uh, it's quite scary for myself yeah yeah I but so the the patients that you are seeing are they screened for covid are they tested for covid before you're performing these procedures on them or how is it being handled yeah so yeah so now they are it's taken a while to get there uh, however depending on the surgery uh, you some of the emergency surgeries you can't wait so essentially what we do if is we've been assuming every single anesthetic is on a patient with covid even if the results are not back yet and they have no symptoms we just assume that they do because there are seems like there are a lot of patients out there who have covid and they have like zero symptoms right so we're just going to assume that's the case so we put on all of our our uh, protective gear and And uh, we do the work. It's not very pleasant, especially for very long cases because it's quite hot under those protective gears. Yeah. But the thing is, if you do have somebody who's positive for COVID and they don't have any symptoms, the, you may want to just delay their surgery if possible. So depending on what they're coming in for, sometimes you can delay it. So for example, let's say they're, they were having some gallbladder attacks. Well, You know what go home take some pain medications um, and the reason why is the mortality rate is 20% in patients even in patients who are asymptomatic that have uh, surgery so afterwards they may develop a fever and for whatever reason it just tends to be worse in other words they're just generally more fragile whether or not they're showing symptoms and you don't want to you don't want to increase the chances of things going wrong by performing surgery and, and a seizure on them 
Exactly. Right. But sometimes you have no choice. If it's an emergency surgery, let's say it's a bowel obstruction or something like that, well, right. you have no choice. You have to carry on. Uh, however, that risk is passed on to those patients. And But oftentimes, even if they didn't have surgery, they probably would uh, fare very poorly anyway. Got it. So when you're uh, when you go home, um, I assume you're you know videoing with your kids and interacting yes. with them in all kinds of ways. And do you guys do you find yourselves laughing together despite all of this craziness? So, you know, yesterday evening, for example, I basically we had dinner together, so that was quite nice. Right. Um, and it, it's it's just nice, and it certainly makes me uh, look forward to them coming back. Right. That's for sure. So there is this one question that we're asking everyone um, that's uh, very, very deep and meaningful, and I'm very concerned by the answer you're going to give. I really am. We've been asking everybody to confess to the worst thing that they have eaten over the course of the last two weeks. And based on what you've described, I'm afraid that you're going to tell us that it involves kale. No. No, Good. not at all. Bring it on. No. Uh, just eat or drink. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter. The more disgusting, the better. Bring it on. Yeah. Well, no, I, it's interesting. When, when my partner left, when my husband left, I said to him, like, you know, bring whatever you want. It's not as if I'm going to be drinking on my own. And his sister is there, so it's more likely that he was going to enjoy like a glass of wine. But it's interestingly enough, I have been enjoying either wine or scotch or even a martini almost on a nightly basis. A little form of anesthesia just by itself. Yeah, yes. exactly. It's just, uh, I guess it's my way of dealing. Uh, usually, I, I, like, you know, I'm not going to get drunk. I, I keep it to one, maybe two glasses of wine, and that's basically it, or just one martini. Um then there's chocolate. Ah. I don't think there's been one day where I haven't had chocolates of okay. some sort. Okay, that's now we're now we're getting yeah. to the area that I start to feel better about myself. Todd, do you start <laughs> talking with your husband about when are they coming back, or you still? It's not even a question yet. No, no, no. So at this point, we have been. Uh, Canada has been very fortunate. We've. Uh, are you, where you guys are in San Los, Francisco? Los Angeles. Yeah, Los Angeles. Okay. It's Los Angeles. Okay. So, you know, we're quite fortunate because we never had a surge. Right. We were prepared for the surge. Uh, so, for example, all of the anesthetists were supposed to be uh, taking care of the ICU patients if things became like New York City, for example. Uh, however, I don't think there's, uh, th there was never a time when there was more patients than they could handle. Mm -hmm. So that's why all of us have just been either at home or just working in the OR for emergencies and basically that's it. Um, so yeah, at this point, things are definitely under control. Mm -hmm. uh, we are now starting to talk about them coming back next week. Oh, which good. Wow. I'm looking forward to. So that'll be like full six full weeks right. of them being away. Yeah. And it's it's been tough. I can imagine. At least they're coming to a clean house. It is, that's yes. true. That's right. You've cleaned and you've organized and I'm sure your children will destroy that in about 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, they might get upset because I did clean up the, uh, let's see now their playroom. So there's a lot of stuff I, I just gave away. Ooh. I brought it to work, gave away. And the thing is, as you know, with kids, they don't want to get rid of anything. Yeah. They don't yes. play with it, but they just don't, don't want to get rid of it. So I my just husband doesn't either, but okay. <laughs> And then same thing with their bedrooms. But with their bedrooms, I was very, I, I just sort of tidied up. I didn't want to do too much because 
they probably would care more about what's in their bedroom. Makes sense. Yeah. Todd, thank you so much for talking to us today. No problem. And Take have yourself a great evening. You too. You Take too. care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. That's great.